Have you ever wondered how to show up as your best version of yourself no matter what life throws at you? You are not alone. I've spent the last 6 years on the comeback trail after getting fired as a burned out workaholic who missed her first candlelight wedding anniversary. When life gets tough, there's always a choice. Give up or show up. So how do you forge an inspiring leadership without the overwhelm completely from scratch? Join me in my quest to bring you the stories, strategies and tips you need to inspire you to succeed. I am Priyanka Khandalkar and this is Show Up with Priyanka. Hello everyone, welcome to Show Up with Priyanka and this is your host Priyanka Khandalkar. I'm so excited to welcome Chris Michael Harris. Chris uh is the founder of startup you and he's the host of entrepreneur hour podcast and entrepreneur hour tv is that youtube chris that is youtube okay <laughs> the podcast has trended as high as top 5 worldwide and has featured guests like diamond john barbara corcoran grand cardian guy kawaski marley ferlio jack canfield Dave Asprey, Dr. John X, as well as 40 plus New York Times best-selling authors. That's awesome. Having grown his first business from launch to 1.2 million in revenue in just 36 months, Chris now teaches online business owner how to take ideas and turn them into a revenue-generating companies. Now he gets to enjoy real freedom and pursue his lifelong passion for rock music. and having produced and recorded an album that's awesome chris by cycling uh, 11 miles a day writing a poetry book and traveling the world wow those are you're quite a multi-passionate chris welcome welcome to the show yeah thank you i appreciate it so chris uh, before i dive in i would love to ask you about your core values and uh, mm-hmm. like you were answering some of my intake questions and you did say like core values is something which actually is you you look into your core values to actually inspire impact and create that positive team culture so mm. i really want to understand what are those core values yeah that's a that's an interesting question i i i think there are some that are that are very pervasive with me i think i i'm a, a person of of loyalty right i think that's a huge one for me um integrity right doing the right thing regardless of whether it's the easy thing or not to do uh going beyond the call of duty so perseverance persistency resiliency uh, these are all things that uh, we have identified within ourselves me specifically uh, and have basically built into the fabric and the culture of our company i love that wow that's beautiful and i love like because for me like core values are so important it drives yeah. whom you hire right yeah. it drives uh, your decision and also it drives uh, how your business is going to move forward right so i think uh, it's so important uh, to have those core values which is the business foundation first thing in your first thing in your business before even you start building your business i i always feel that's so important so yeah and i feel like when you when you nail that part right when you can really i think people miss the, sometimes they don't see the opportunity that is what are my core values like what do i stand for mm-hmm. uh, and then also how does that translate into my business i think they view those inherently different and they're not at all and more importantly there's a huge opportunity as you mentioned right to start hiring people that also buy into those right mm-hmm. that that also share those core values with you and i always say this you know you mentioned a, a series of of accomplishments and what have you i would say some of my bigger accomplishments if not my biggest accomplishment in business has been when someone joins our team 
in whatever business that I, you know, I've been in multiple businesses. So whatever business, it doesn't matter which one, right? Mm -hmm. They buy in so much to the culture that you've created that is built around your core values, that your life dream of whatever you're trying to build becomes their life dream. It's a shared life dream. And I think people diminish the significance of that. Mm -hmm. People have one life that they can live. And now you're finding somebody that is committed to pledging their one life that they have, spending the majority of their waking hours on your dream, on your vision of your company. That is, there's nothing you could achieve. There's no one you could sell, no customer you could acquire that is more significant than that. Really, there I isn't. love that. I love that, Chris. And uh, because I go into businesses and help them with hiring and mm. core values is the first thing because it has to be. Every, like you can't have like the same kind of template of interview questions. When right. you're interviewing, you need to really dig into those core values and have questions which can really bring those out from you, the candidates. Because as you said, your team is like a family. And that's yeah. how you also develop the trust because you right. know that they align with your vision for the company. You know, it's interesting you say that. And one of the ones that I really studied early on, and if those listening are, are interested in this, I highly recommend they're, the, they're a great model mm -hmm. for this is uh, Chick-fil-A. So depending on the part of the world you're in, you may be you may be out of the country or you may be in a place where Chick-fil-A, they're more regional Southeast than they are anywhere else in the United States. But one of the things that they discern is not necessarily, can you do the job, right? Do you have the skills that are necessary to do the job they're asking? It's, are you a Chick-fil-A person mm -hmm. that aligns with their core values? So check this. So my mom worked for Chick-fil-A. She was a marketing director for Chick-fil-A. So I, so we, our family, we've been through the process with them, right? We, we know 17 interviews is the typical protocol to get a job at Chick-fil-A corporate 17. Now, and this is, these are not with the same people. These are with, a, you know, other different people. Right. And one of the things, and I, I really studied their model and, and try to analyze this in their hiring process, you mentioned applications and, you know, things, you know, written, written applications, stuff like that. Sometimes, and I call these layup questions. Mm -hmm. You ask a question that literally a person would have to not have a brain to get wrong. Right. So like, for right. example, what would you do if you saw a fellow employee steal something? Well, I don't have to have a PhD to know yeah. the right answer to that question. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. It accomplishes nothing. It's a waste of your time and it's a waste of their time to even ask that question to begin with, right? right. So what yeah. they do and what I've adopted from them is you ask questions that there's not a wrong answer per se, but they're answers that are focused on, does this align more with our core values or does it not align with our core values? So yeah. there's no wrong answer. It's more of who are you not who, not what would you do per se, right? And yes. that's so much, that is so much more important to discover because you can teach people the skills, even if they don't have them, if they're the right person, if they're the person that's gonna fit with your culture. And that's what Chick-fil-A has adopted. Now, the reason that's so significant is this, all these companies have these challenges, right? Mm -hmm. With consistency, uh, with the user experience, you go to any fast food restaurant, you could literally go to a McDonald's and drive a mile up the highway and go to a different McDonald's. You probably have a completely different experience other than the product itself and maybe even the product itself. Right. One thing you'll find about Chick-fil-A is so unique and why they've been able to grow at the rate that they've grown. I think they're the number one QSR, you know, quick serve restaurant in the whole country. And the reason wow. they've been able to do that is because they built on their foundational core values and more importantly, those people that came in because the culture is consistent. It's not right. the mechanics of the company. It's not the functions of their jobs. It's the culture that they've created because they found people that are Chick-fil-A. Now, here's what's interesting. This is even more interesting. Those people, and I grew up, and I, you know, again, in this environment, so it was shocking to me. <laughs> Literally, you can look at a Wendy's. It's right next door to a, to a Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. Paying a dollar more an hour. 
That's significant when you're at that when yeah, you're at that sure. minimum wage threshold. That's a lot of money, right? A dollar an hour is a significant. That's a significant upgrade. Yes. You go with Chick Fil A's offering a dollar or less, and here's the thing: you'll find people have left higher paying salaried positions to go work at, work at Chick Fil A because they believe in the core values and mission that is Chick Fil A. Oh. So they'll go there and start literally cleaning toilets and serving chicken sandwiches because their dream one day is to literally help spread mm-hmm. what is Chick-fil-A, the mission of Chick-fil-A to own and operate their own store at some point. So they'll pay, take less money, even with higher degrees that they're way overqualified for because mm-hmm. they buy into that system. They buy into that culture that Chick-fil-A has created. So if you do it yeah. right, it's not about the money. It's not. That is not the key motivating factor for most people in their decisions to go work for somebody. It's not. We yeah. think that it is, right? It's a good way to keep people right? It's a good way to, you know, your compensation and your bonuses structure and stuff like that. It's a good way to keep and retain employees, but it's not how you attract the best people. When you nail that, not only do you attract key talent, but people buy into what you're doing so much that it'll go to the ends of the world to protect the culture that you've created. It's a I love thing. that. I love that, Chris. And you probably don't know this, but uh, two weeks back, I actually left my corporate job nine to five to go hundred percent in business. Congratulations. That's thank huge. you so much. It's a big decision. I have it been is. working on it for like five years. I had multiple different businesses like That's side great. hustle, but I never felt I was doing that hundred percent commitment, but more of like a hustle. Yeah. So my previous company, I just loved it. Like it was, mm. it was like, I worked as a senior engineer there. So great. More of it was a Japanese culture. It was a Japanese company. Of mm. course, the pay might be less than the other competitors, but as you said, it's how you make the people feel or your employees feel is so important. Yeah. Even if the salary is less, I loved working there because it was at the end all about people. Yeah. So That's good fantastic. point, Chris. <laughs> so Chris, I want to love uh, love to know about your story. Like, what mm. was that aha moment? when you decided to start your own journey of business? Oh man, it, it was, um, my wife says this and I'll borrow it from her. She's also my business partner. She says, clarity doesn't strike, it unfolds. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'll say that again, clarity does not strike, it unfolds. And I think that some people do have that moment, right? Where like something happens where they're like, that's it, I'm going for it. Like what you just had, right? You're like, mm-hmm. that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. So you have that pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. But I would guess that it's been years in the making to get yes. to that ro- that point, <laughs> that the fork in the road where you say, this is the moment, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's that whole thing is really highlighted by years of me just not really uh, seeing mm-hmm. that the nine to five path worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, call me a contrarian. Uh, you can call me a rebel, whatever. But I just always, even from a very young age, um, just saw and constantly had re- reaffirmed to me Mm-hmm. Uh, through various other jobs that I had and stuff like that, that like there was always going to be a ceiling on what I could make, right? If I bought into that nine to five and I wanted that freedom to be able to pursue. So I, I constantly was doing things, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was mowing my neighbor's lawn in fifth grade, I actually made $3,000 in a summer because I went oh, up wow. and down my street and I just pitched everybody, all my neighbors on mowing their lawns. So <laughs> I just wild. literally just, all my weekends were just mowing lawns while everybody else was at the pool and, and hanging out and having fun between fifth and sixth grade in the summer, I was out just raking in cash. Like it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. So, so I, I saw, wow. And what other capacity could a fifth grader make $3,000 in a course of three months? Like that's, that's outrageous. Oh, cool. right? I love it. <laughs> yeah. I and then that kind of, so I would detail cars and I get paid mm-hmm. for that. Cause I was really big into cars. 
Uh, and then I started another kind of lawn care type business in high school. We ended up having to hire our friends because we were growing so much. We made like thirteen or $14,000 again over the course of a summer between my junior and senior year of high school. So it's just always been a, a, a pervasive thing in my life of realizing that there were opportunities outside of hour for pay. Now that all said, uh, back then, and I, I, I am saying that like I'm ancient, I'm not, <laughs> but there wasn't a, there wasn't necessarily, I think entrepreneurship has gotten way more mainstream in the last 10 years than it was the previous mm-hmm. 10. Right. It was, and, and largely that's due to the advent and the, the further maturation of the internet, right? That has really allowed us to really see clear paths mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship much more than what existed before. Moreover, the capital investment, right? Your CapEx was just yeah. unbelievable to get a business mm-hmm. off the ground. So it just wasn't feasible. Mm-hmm. However, uh, got into college and we started what was my eventual multi-million dollar company that my, my first real company uh, which was a moving in, in installation business. Um, and we were operating out of our, our apartment, college apartment. And we just happened to see these girls that were trying to move one of those big fold-out sofas down the hallway, right? In this massive building. And it was a pretty, pretty far hike. And so my brother and I chipped in and helped out. And the mom gave us like a $50 tip. And it was like, wow, that was the fastest <laughs> $50 we've ever made. Mm-hmm. And I would have had to work. And in, the, in my head, I'm already doing the calculation, right? I had a job working at like a burrito restaurant at that point. Right. And I'm like, this is like a full day's work for me at minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm. Like a full day I just made in like 10 minutes. What if I can multiply those efforts and get one of those a day? Like that's it, mm-hmm. right? So we put a flyer up and, and we had a good relationship with the lease office manager in that building. And there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of units in that building. Mm-hmm. We ended up in a, in a course of about 45 days, we moved 30% of that building and made like $12,000 or something outrageous. Wow. But it was very serendipitous. We had a we had a, a friend. It was a bro- my brother's friend had a had his grandfather owned a moving truck, so he let us borrow it. So a lot of things just kind of fell into place. I went off and and got a quote unquote real job. This was towards the end of my college career, and my brother and his friend at this point, the moving truck guy, mm-hmm. they kept doing it. And made like twenty five thousand dollars the next summer, and I was helping you know provide marketing money and you know funding, yeah. and we yeah. bought shirts, and we really kind of advanced beyond that one building, you know. But I remember specifically, and this would be the moment that I would cite to go back to your original question. Like, what was the moment, right? What was the thing that like set you on this path? (laughs) And I remember uh, I had a a traveling sales job Mm -hmm. and this was going to be quickly a six-figure job without question, right? We had big clients. I was in on some meetings that I had no business being in the room. It was unbelievable, you know, with corporate, you know, or Fortune 50 companies, I mean, massive, massive companies. And my boss said to me, didn't mean it to, he didn't say it in a, in a, uh, in a fashion that was, was to be mean or anything like that, but just the reality as he saw it, he says, you're never going to get fully respected in this business until your hair looks like mine. And his hair is white as snow. And the guy was literally at the end of, he retired within a matter of years after I started that job. So you're going to tell me that in the last three years of my career, at that point, I will, I will finally have earned the respect of my peers. Now, I'm sure he didn't mean it literally. I'm sure mm-hmm. he didn't mean it by, you know, I didn't res- get respect to I was 62. <laughs> but the point, the fact of the matter is this, I'm a 21-year-old, 22-year-old young man. I'm not trying to put 40 years worth of sacrifice and hard work to get to where you are. I just, that didn't, again, that just, 
it just put a stamp on what I had always known that nine to five just wasn't for me. Now, I'm glad that nine to five is for a lot of people. I am because we couldn't do what we do, meaning you and I as entrepreneurs, without people that commit to the journey, commit to the to mm-hmm. the mission that is building a company. Like we would be, if there were all, if we were all entrepreneurs, we would be crazy. We'd all kill each other. Like we would just be crazy people. <laughs> but that was the moment. And I don't think that I was ever, mm-hmm. I don't think I was ever fully committed to that job ever again. That moment was, it, I was out. I was, I was not invested in that job any longer. And meanwhile, I'm watching and I'm hearing reports from back home uh, where my brother and, and his friend were just making all this money hand over fist. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to work my butt off to make 5% commission for this company where I'm not going to be stuck for 40 years mm-hmm. or I'm going to go do my own thing that has gone from nothing to $25,000 over the summer with what little time and effort we've put into it. So that was it. That was the defining moment. I jumped in. I, I, I just went hog wild, figured wow. out what had to happen. And within a quick 36 months after that, moving back to that college town, uh, we had, we had generated 1.2 million in revenue. That's so awesome. Zero outside capital. Wow. It was a rip roaring journey. That's impressive. So when you started your journey, so you did it with your brother then, Chris? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Like two of you together? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's exciting. So mm. what would be the biggest struggles that you faced and how you showed up? Like when oh, you started. Where do we start? Um, <laughs> it, de- it depends on the, it depends on the, the, the week you asked me that question. Right. It depends on the yes. year. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll say year by year. I think this is important for people to hear this. I really yes. do. Because I think you there's... can probably say like, because like going to 1.2 million doesn't happen like right away. Right. No, 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 no. Like, Six figure, and then you go to seven figure. So maybe right. like those milestone, if you want sure. to, yeah, that's yeah, that's perfect. All right, so so that season, right? Let's call it the starvation phase, right? Like the business said to twenty five thousand dollars, and now I'm coming in, and you know, it was a very seasonal business. It was we were a college moving company, and so we focused on college campuses, right? So they move eighty five percent of our revenue was in the summer, mm-hmm. so the rest of the year I got to make that money last. And growth requires cash. That's a low margin business. Mm-hmm. So I quit this job in February, the, my, the job I referenced, and I didn't have substantial business coming in for like three months, right? Because May, when school lets out, is when they start moving. And moreover, you know, I hadn't done any of the marketing and stuff like that. So anyways, uh, within six months um, of leaving my job, I was, I lost a crazy amount of weight cause I couldn't afford food. I lost 50 pounds. I'm not the type of person that can afford to lose 50 pounds. I don't say that to be, I don't say that to be bragging. I say that to be because it was very unhealthy for me to be that skinny. I was losing my hair. Uh, I was doing laundry in my bathtub. I was literally just eating canned foods. that would cost 25 cents at the dollar store, right? I would just get whatever I could. Certainly not healthy for me. Um, I had met my future wife, who's now my wife. Uh, at that time, she was my girlfriend. And it just wasn't a good way to transition into this new season. It should have been exciting. It should have been this thing, right? And it really almost killed our relationship in addition to many other things, including my health and what have you. I was so had so much pride that I didn't want to like crawl back to my parents and ask them for help, right? So I just kind of struggled it out and was jogging in my office, you know, to save on gas money, all these things, losing weight, not be able to eat, laundry in the bathtub. I mean, it was really, really, it was... I mean, it was tough. It was like, are you going to eat today? Or are you going to do your laundry day? Because you got to go to the laundromat and pay to have it done. That kind of like that kind of shoestring budget. (laughs) So that was really tough. And I think the biggest lesson would have been uh, 
with, they say have six months. I would say have a year, have a year of your finances in order to make sure that your, I always say, I say this, I literally, I just ordered a t-shirt. I'm literally putting it on a t-shirt. That's how important, <laughs> that's how important this message is to me. Mm-hmm. The dream dies when the bank dries. Ooh, love that. Your dream will quickly turn into a nightmare mm. when all of a sudden you have no money and you can't pay the bills and you realize, I remember the beginning of the month every, every month was the was like a nightmare. I'm like, oh God, I would literally watch the calendar get closer to that first of the month because I had to pay for my office, the rent for my office. I had to pay the rent for the apartment. I had to pay off it, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And collection agencies are calling because I'm late on my credit cards because I got really bad advice from the small business manager at the local bank, mm-hmm. uh, at Bank of America. He told me, oh, well, you got to personally finance it. Put it on a credit card. And that, you know, that, that, that interest will catch you. Right. So I'm getting collection calls I'm getting all this and that. It was horrible, horrible. Actually, there's a really crazy story that I've told on my YouTube channel and my podcast uh, where I had paid off a ticket just in the, the met, uh, speeding ticket that I got. And there was this whole thing of super speeder law in the state of Georgia where there's an additional fine and they mail that out to you. I missed it because I had moved and I was busy. So anyway, my license ended up being suspended, didn't know it. And so I'm driving back from a Saturday night with friends with the girlfriend, right? And we get pulled over. I had no idea what I do wrong. It turns out my license was suspended. I had no idea. They took me to jail. So oh, literally wow. in the midst of this, not only am I flat broke and all this crazy stuff's going on and this thing that was my dream to pursue, now I'm, I'm living my own hell and I work for a lunatic, AKA me, right? <laughs> so, and all of that, it was crazy. And I got very lucky because mm-hmm. at the last moment, I remember it was the end of that year, right? The end of that year, I left in February. Now this is November. It was my girlfriend's birthday and we went to, we were taking her to Ruby Tuesday. And I remember I couldn't even afford my own dinner, let alone pay for her. And here's this person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I knew that after the first, after the third date, I knew that with her. And my little brother, who's now, who is now graduating, has a job, had to pay for us. And I said, I'm never, this, I'm never going to feel like this again. Mm-hmm. So I went home and out of my desperation, I just, I, I became a blog master. I mean, I just blogged all the time. And fortunately I learned what Google wanted. And we went from the fourth page of Google to the first page of Google and things erupted, right. And things just took off. And next thing you know, we got a request for a $60,000 move that I legitimately thought was a spam request. I honestly didn't think it was a real request because it was for 316 bedrooms. I'll never, I will never forget that request. I can literally see it in my mind. Like it exists right now on my computer screen. I know exactly where I was. It was at one of those defining moments of my life. And I almost didn't call back. Thank God I did. And it was to do what later became the catalyst for growth in that business, which was fully furnished apartment complexes, right? So we would mm-hmm. be on the point of sale. They would ship mm-hmm. things from China and Mexico, what have you. We would assemble it. Think Ikea, right? Mm-hmm. Type furniture. We would assemble it. So when the students move in, mm-hmm. they just bring their personal belongings and food and what have you. But all the furniture is already provided. So that one contract alone was more revenue than what we had done the previous year when I was struggling and bathtubbing and you know jogging the wow. office and, and you know not eating and stuff like that. And then literally from that to the next eight months, we went to half a million. So we went from 48,000 to half a million dollars in about eight, nine months. Crazy growth, crazy growth. And then now we're talking about the struggles with, with managing that, right? Mm-hmm. Because going from, going from 48,000 to half a million in route to 1.2, all in about 12, 14 months mm-hmm. was brutal, uh, and what I would say about managing growth is what we had talked about before we started recording today, yes. which is have systems and processes in place, mm-hmm. right? Like preparing yourself for growth, right? I think a lot of entrepreneurs, what they do is by design, I think many of us are visionary type, uh, more extroverted. 
And I think we don't really put a lot of emphasis or value on systems. And more importantly, I don't think we know there's not any, we haven't validated the business yet. We haven't made a lot of sales. Why am I going to build systems when I don't have employees? So here's the deal. Um, Damon John, when he came on my show, he said something that has just stuck with me forever. And he said, and I, I think I may have already mentioned it, but he said, take affordable steps, mm-hmm. take affordable steps. There's a, there's a point in time in that growth cycle that I should have put my foot down and said, revenue alone, it's one of the levers. It's not the only lever. Mm-hmm. is not business growth. It's sales. It's revenue growth. But it doesn't mean that you're not growing in other areas of the business. So I damn near sold us to death. I almost killed our company, literally just as fast as I worked all that time, made all the sacrifices to almost kill the company in sales because we were stretched so thin. Mm-hmm. And so guess who came, guess who was the safety net? Me. Whenever we had cash flow issues, because now you're working with big, you're working with $100 million companies. They're going to push their, their cash flow issues off on you so you get, you're the last link in the chain. You're the last person to get paid. Meanwhile, I funded an entire project that, caught, that took three months. I've got $60,000 invested in this project that's going to pay me $120,000 mm-hmm. with great margins, but I don't get paid till the end. So they give me right. maybe a 25% installment. Well, I got to make up the difference. Now extrapolate that out across multiple projects. And by 2014, we were in 32 states. We did 60 installation projects across the country. I had 350 employees. 12 months prior, I was kicking around doing laundry in my bathtub by myself trying to make ends meet. So it was just such a radical process that if I was really being wise, if I really understood the opportunity in the market is you, at some point, you have to have the discipline to do what's necessary. At any point, I would say that. So early on, I should have kept my job, right? I should have said, look, my business can't support me right now. I got to do what Priyanka did. I've got to stay invested with this job until it makes sense for me to leave this job. But that doesn't work. I don't want to be doing laundry in my bathtub. But I just jumped in head first and I didn't even look to see how deep the pool was. Mm -hmm. It's like, I broke my (laughs) neck at the bottom. Of course, right? So then the growth happened. And it's like, why would I say yes? Mm -hmm. No was not a part of my vocabulary. It was like, can you do this? I would literally look. I didn't even have the employees to cover the request. And I'd be like, yep, we'll do it. Oh, by the way, it starts in 48 hours. Oh, no. <laughs> Our biggest project started the 26th of December in 2013 in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It was 12,000 pieces of furniture, six-month project. I committed to it on Christmas Eve without the resources to start in two days. That is a true story. I wasn't even in the country. I was in Puerto Rico visiting my in-laws. Why in God's name would I say yes to that? And more importantly, why would I not dictate my own terms? Why wouldn't I say, hey, here's the deal. You came to me last minute. So here's the deal. We can start January the 10th. It's the earliest I can do it. I'm sorry. And then more importantly, uh, here's the thing. If you want me to do it with this urge, this level of urgency, there's a 25% surcharge. I'm sorry. It requires more money because now I've got to make sacrifices and put together all the resources I need to to make this thing work. It's got to be worth it for me. So I think as entrepreneurs, we, 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 we don't have guardrails. We don't, part- we just, whatever the business requires. And I say this to people all the time, build a business around your life, not a life around your business. Because when you build a life around your business, you will, you are servant to the business. The business is the master of you. I it will that. literally dictate everything you do, when you breathe, when you eat, when you do, I mean, whatever. And you have to protect yourself and create those boundaries and say, here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm not willing to do. And make sure those are clear and defined because if you don't, you find yourself riding the roller coaster of just whatever 
you know, whatever the business needs, I'll do it. Right. And I so there's a degree that. that you have to make sacrifice. There is. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm not saying that I would have said no to that request. Right. I, I would have absolutely said yes to that request. Even going back in hindsight, I would have said yes to that request. I just would have made sure that I did it a little bit more on my terms than just riding the roller coaster of whatever my business required because I suffered for it. I became seriously ill. I was diagnosed as precancerous. And I know that that journey of that growth and then the starvation there prior led to a lot of those health manifestations. I know that for sure. Uh, my wife, were she not the most committed and loyal human being that I've ever met in my life, uh, would not have stuck around. 99.99999% of people I've met in my life, no matter love and no matter all the romance or what have you, would not have stuck around. So I almost lost my soulmate over that. Right. In addition to my health, which almost led to me losing my life, because I was when I got diagnosed, they said 40 and you're probably out of this mm -hmm. the way you're trending. If you keep doing this by 40 years old, you won't be here. And if you are, you're going to live a miserable existence. Right. So I almost lost everything in pursuit of what? In pursuit of growing a, a business. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so you have to keep perspective. It's so hard to get lost and caught up in all this stuff and wanting to be successful. And, and I get that. I do. I was hell bent on proving myself and proving to my boss and proving to my dad and proving to everybody that I was, I could do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't really estimate the consequences and I didn't make a plan for how I was going to continue to be happy and fulfilled in all the areas of my life, not just that professional side of my life. I love that, Chris. Wow. So many nuggets there. Like, and I love that you focused on some of the things like somehow a visionary like us, we can be like, I'm more in, have you heard about um, uh, EOS system and integrator and visionary? I'm like, no, now, the, 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 from rocket fuel. I know Gina yes, Wickman yes. talks about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Integrator, yeah. So I'm like, I'm both. I'm like, I can switch mm -hmm. gears a lot, like visionary and integrator, like integrators are like, who are like systems and operations and visionary. So in, yeah. it's interesting when you said like, how as an entrepreneur, we can be the bottleneck in our own business, right? Yeah, you can. Like you making that decision. Okay, you have to start in two days and you're like, okay, we will figure it out. But I love yeah. that as a visionary, you take quick action. So I think yeah. uh, that is so important too in entrepreneurship because we need to keep in momentum and yeah. things. But as, a, as you said, like keeping those healthy boundaries is so critical. And at the end, when you sleep... <laughs> Like, what are you thinking? Did you make an impact? Like, yeah, so I would love to ask you, Chris, like when you I want to add one thing now, too. I, I think yeah. I, I want to add one thing just real quick. I think this is so important and yeah. I want to make sure we cover this because this is just so vital. Mm -hmm. We tend to go it alone when it's totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. There are resources out there. There are people like you in the world that are, that are coaching, that are available for those things. And I didn't hire a business coach mm -hmm. until I was diagnosed. When I got diagnosed, that's when I reached out and got a business. I should have had a business coach the minute, the minute that I got a $60,000 contract offer and I knew that things were really escalating. I should have hired somebody who actually had done it, who had actually, go, and I should have been educating myself. Whether that's a digital mentor, meaning do you pay for somebody's product, their information product and go through their course to learn how to navigate growth or do you hire and pay thousands of dollars a month? It doesn't matter. But right. taking time to invest in yourself and putting resources around you. If you talk to any entrepreneur that's successful, the number one thing they did is they're not just some juggernaut of success. They were strategic about how they put resources around them to continue to succeed. It wasn't a matter of them doing all the things themselves and juggling all the balls. It was, here I am, all right, here's where I'm at. What resources can I put around me right now? And then what are the next resources that I need to take the next steps? If I had hired a business coach back then, when we first started experiencing growth, 
I can almost guarantee you I would have had a 30 to $40 million exit from that business rather than me getting that health diagnosis and having to go a separate, a completely different direction with my life. For sure, without question. I so love that. Massive opportunity costs involved. Yeah. And I think uh, when you when you were talking about the cost thing, right? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they focus on the revenue, the revenue, and that's what they will have the goal. But at the end, what is your profit margin? I think right. a lot of people don't look at how much money you are taking with you, right? And uh, and the profit margin. So I think I love that you actually hit up on those few elements there. So Chris, I would love to ask you, like, after that whole journey, like right now you have this, your own company. So mm. can you tell a little bit about how you landed up with your own company, like which is a startup you? Yeah. So the the moving company, the first company that I had, uh, we, we, when I was diagnosed, we decided to move on from that business. It was, okay. it just, it, it, it just, my, my health clearly when you get that kind of diagnosis was like, this is the priority, right? So we moved on from that business, unfortunately. And, and that was that. So what ended up happening uh, was I started recording conversations like this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had experienced so much um, and, and through that experience, I mean, there's a million stories that I could tell about things that I learned, valuable lessons, funny stories, sad stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, I, I was like, why am I not recording these conversations? I was having conversations with my friends and mentors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we started to just, we started the podcast. Uh, it's recently been rebranded. It was Entrepreneur Hour. It's now Startup You Podcast to go along with our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but that show uh, within a matter of two weeks was trending, as you mentioned, top five in business, health and education on new and noteworthy. So we, re- we started being like, oh my God, how do we leverage this? And reached out to Damon John, secured Damon and some other big name guests. And then that just kind of took on a life of its own. So, so to answer your question, I kind of fell into it. Like it yeah. just, again, and I noticed this a lot, usually good businesses, they happen organically, right? Mm-hmm. They happen because there's an opportunity and you take advantage of it, right? So like the moving company, I just happened to see some girls that were trying to move and they couldn't do it like that. So it's yeah. like, boom. So I don't think we're necessarily as observant as we could be for opportunity, right? I think there are plenty of opportunities that manifest in our lives. We just fail to see them. So I saw an opportunity and I decided to capitalize on it. Uh, and that turned into one of my bigger issues that I experienced with the moving company was I, I had a famous saying, and I'd say it all the time, that I, I would say to uh, my wife or whomever, oh my God, if I had just known that six months ago, regardless of what it was. <laughs> It would have saved me so much time and hassle and pain and agony and what have you. Um, and so I would say, I wish I, I, I wish I learned that in school, mm-hmm. right? So my thing was, why didn't we learn this in school? Why? So there wasn't like a definitive place that I saw. Now, that's not to take away from content creators and people that are out there that are online educators because there's tremendous ones out there. Mm-hmm. But what I saw an opportunity for was like a, a brand that you go to that's known, right? That's like, this is where you go to learn about building a startup business, right? So I was like, okay, what do we call that? So Startup U, Startup U like university became the name. And our goal is to be a go-to resource, right? A flagship brand, if you will. There's a lot of individual creators and they're fantastic. And I'm friends with many of them. Uh, But we wanted something that had mainstream appeal in terms of this, people recognize it as a go-to source for online education. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we wanted to provide resources so that people didn't have the experience that I had of, man, I wish I had known that six months ago, or wow, if I had just known this, there's so many people that have so many brilliant things that they could offer to the world. 
Right. They just don't have the mechanism to, to do it successfully. And that's mm-hmm. fine because, again, they didn't teach you in school. So we started the school, right? Mm-hmm. So the goal eventually, and this is a brand new thing. Like we just, again, we literally just changed the name of the podcast like two weeks ago. Oh, and we wow. just launched Startup U within the last, I mean, within the last month, Startup U is an official thing. Um, so we're working on our early first programs, but it's all built around education that entrepreneurs need to successfully take an idea mm-hmm. and turn it into a revenue generating business. So that that's the whole premise of what we're trying to do. And we have a lot of really awesome ideas as far as how we're going to do that, that you know, how we're going to uh, bring in other educators, people that have been on my podcast to also provide insight and wisdom and what have you. So hopefully in a year's time or a couple years time, we can look back and say, wow, that was really the start of something amazing. Uh, but that's where we are right now. So is it going to be particular niche, Chris, or you're going to focus on just like even getting that help, like giving that help to like even focusing on which niche to go. Yeah, so that's that's a great question. I'm glad you you qualify that. Um, the the goal right now is to focus on online business owners, uh, okay. and the reason for that is that I think that they have more of an inclination mm-hmm. to go through online training. Uh, when I was an offline business owner, I don't know that I was doing that. I think mm-hmm. I was looking for more offline resources, right? So I think there's a lot of offline business owners that they haven't fully migrated over to really using online tools. Uh, and I also play in the tech space, um, involved with a Silicon Valley accelerator program. And I would say it's more of the same. I think they're still right. using a lot of offline resources, local networking type things, co-work spaces, right? They're not necessarily buying into online education nearly as much as what they should be. Right. My goal, and hopefully long-term, and I've noticed this because playing those different verticals, it's unbelievable, Priyanka. Like, I'll go talk to all, you know, I have clients, right? Coaching clients. And I'll go talk to some of those people that were similar to me. Like they have a painting company or they're electricians or, you know, they do drywall, whatever. And it's funny. I, I, I talk to them in the language and the verbiage that they use uh, is totally different than the online business owners. Like if I brought up a term in online business, right? I talked about, a, you know, CTR. Well, I tell, I tell a, a, an all, offline, but it was CTR, <laughs> what's CT? You know, like they have no idea what that is. And then more of the same with the tech space. So tech space, they're talking about all these fundraising terms and, you know, all these different various things they're talking about there, right? That's totally different than the other. So it's like, we're all self-employed, but there's these really, really distinct verticals within self-employment that Mm -hmm. comprises being a business owner, comprises being an entrepreneur. So we didn't want to try to be everything to everyone at first. That's a huge mistake that a lot of people make. It was like, Mm -hmm. how do we find a river of opportunity, which is online business owners right now and provide a resource to them, right? And then hopefully at some point we'll be able to expand when there's more adoption with some of these other verticals. Love that. So Chris, because like I, as I, as I was telling you, right, I just left my Mm full-time job. I I am very multi-passionate entrepreneur, like Murray Furley. I do a lot of different things. And uh, I think sometimes people get even confused, like, what do you do, Priyanka? Because I do so many yeah. different things. So I think it's so important to like really niche down because I'm also trying to niche down like whom I want to help because I had e-commerce business. I had SaaS. So I'm mm. like, should I help those? Because I do have experience. Then Hard. I'm like, oh, I also have, like I do mastermind coaching for Tony Robbins. So I do have that too. So it's very interesting, like, yeah. Whom to, and I think you helping with that kind of clarity is going to like really help those who are like going through your program. So I think, yeah. That's and I usually product. try to validate with data too. And that's something that yeah. I recommend to a lot of people is I think a lot of entrepreneurs are multi-passionate. What I try to do is utilize the tools that are available to me 
mm-hmm. uh, to look at search volume. So I'll use Google Trends and I'll search mm-hmm. for various topics that people are searching for. Is there a market for this, right? Is there actual search queries for this? Mm-hmm. Same with with uh, YouTube. I'll go to YouTube and I'll use VidIQ. So it's a, you, know, you can enable it. It's an extension for YouTube. Uh, and I'll look at the actual search volume in the competition mm-hmm. for specific search queries. So I try to make it less subjective right? And more data-driven. I love that. I should use that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it really helps you, I think, to really analyze and assess the market. The other thing that I recommend that I teach in one of my programs that we're launching right now uh, called Startup Launch Factory is it's more of the mechanical side of how to launch a business and how people are. But the one thing you can really do is I recommend to pick three to five people. And so for you, maybe Marie. Marie's a good example. Mm -hmm. Um, Pick Marie and then study the hell out of them right? Like what type of content are they putting out? What video? And if you use something like vidIQ, you can see a lot of analytics on other people's videos, what tags they're using, how many people have you, I mean, really where the, where they're ranking, stuff like that. So there's a lot of insights you can glean. I don't think that we use technology. We use it as consumers. I don't think that we use it as tactically as we possibly could to help us make decisions. And more importantly, your your competitors, right? Those three to five people that I, I tell people to pick, you know, to really analyze. Mm-hmm. they've left a, a, a they've left a, a, a bread trail, you know, breadcrumb trail for you that literally shows you the evolution of their business, right? Mm-hmm. So some of us feel like we have to have a full blown out Marie TV, <laughs> you know, setup. And that's not, if you go back to her early days, she didn't have a microphone. Mm-hmm. She was using her Apple, not even AirPods, literally the wire. She's interviewing like Seth Godin mm-hmm. with her webcam, not, not a webcam, the built-in camera on her laptop and with Apple headphones. That's wow. it. Yeah. So we, we tend to not necessarily roadmap out our journey based on people in our industry mm-hmm. and take notes and meaningful insights with data layered on top of how we can do what we're going to do and do it fast. The, the key is if you can learn from them, you can do it way, way faster than they did it. Right. It doesn't I mean you're going to skip that. any steps. It just means yeah. that you're going to learn from what their experience entailed. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, you should do that. If you, if you listen to what I had to say today, and then you're going, you're scaling a business and you make the same mistakes I made. That's <laughs> futile. That's silly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the reason people like me are doing what we're doing is so we can help people not make those same silly mistakes. Mm-hmm. And by right. doing so, and this is one of the things I talk about with reading, people are like, I don't have time to read. I'm like, you don't have time not to read. <laughs> you don't have time not to read. This is the playbook of success. These people literally have taken time to literally write how they've been successful. And you're going to tell me you don't have time for that? What mm-hmm. could you be doing that's more important than learning from people who have literally achieved the things you want to achieve. True. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we're so in a hurry. And that's the biggest, I think, of our generation, you know, in 2021. I think that's our biggest downfall is we chase all these shiny bells and whistles. We're so distracted by technology. We're so distracted by all these things we should be doing that we don't take time to focus on the things that are actually going to make a difference. Right? True. We don't focus on impact. We're, we're too busy running around chasing stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I think that that would be, I don't know that that's the topic of conversation you want me to bring up. <laughs> no, but I love that, Chris. Like we Dream just- of consciousness over here. It's something I'm navigating right now because I just have so many passions. And, yeah. and you know, when you said that, like model someone and put your own unique twist. Yeah. I love that uh, because I just today, like I had my own breakthrough of like mm. where my business is going to go and like how I'm going to utilize my podcast because mm-hmm. as a podcaster, we always are thinking, right? How we can utilize podcasts with our business and how to yeah. grow. And actually I found someone and uh, I was like, oh, interesting. And I even b- bought her book where she talked about her whole story because I'm like, okay, I need to study this person. Good for you. <laughs> so, 
So it's awesome, Chris, when you said that, that just reminded me. So Chris, I want to ask you like, you are a podcaster, I'm a podcaster and I love, love like podcasting. Like mm. I, I'm sure you listen to a couple of podcasts every mm. day, whenever they post weekly or daily. So well, how do you think we can utilize like someone who doesn't have a podcast, how they can utilize the podcast to build their brand and network? If they don't have a podcast, like they, they should start one? Is it the argument to start a podcast? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that and also the other part. If you already have a podcast. <laughs> sure. So I think what you'll find um, is in doing the, the meaningful insights, right? Analyzing your, your, your market and your competition. I think what you'll find is, okay, do they have a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Because if they don't have a podcast, I always say this to people, if your competitors aren't on Twitter, study why they're not on Twitter, because it probably means that they tried Twitter and it didn't work out or they didn't get, they weren't getting results from that. So maybe it's something you want to analyze and assess. Is there a market for what we do on that specific platform? So here's the deal. If you have, uh, if you have a competitor and they do, and none of them have podcasts, that doesn't mean that you can't be the first. It just means there might be a reason for why they haven't done it. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say this podcasting for what I do specifically, it makes sense. I'm not just doing it for the sake of doing it. I'm doing it because it makes sense, right? And the, the reason and what I have come to find is it's fantastic for things like this. I would never have the opportunity to talk to Priyanka if it weren't for podcasting, right? <laughs> now, at some point, I may say, hey, Priyanka, I have a program in Startup U and you are great at, at you know hiring and, and the things that you do. And I would love for you to be an educator on my platform, right? Like, so it's the beginning of a relationship working relationship that you can nurture over time and maybe have some cross-pollination. That's the opera. That's the biggest way that I use my podcast, right? So if that makes sense for you, if you're using it for a networking tool, or if you have a big email list and you're wanting to uh, nurture your email list with additional content, uh, then it's great. However, I would say this, you need to know the pros and cons of every platform. Podcasting is terrible for discoverability. Mm-hmm because it's not a search platform. So one of the things I always try to do is I sit and I tell myself, how do I use, how do I engage with this platform? When have I ever, singular time, when have I ever discovered on the podcast player, let's say Apple Podcasts, 50% of the market right there is is gonna be Apple Podcasts. When have I ever gone to Apple Podcasts and searched for how to start a business or how to build a sales page or growing my email list? No. Never. (laughs) Never. Mm-hmm. Now, what platform have I done that on? I've done that on Google. I've done that on YouTube, right? Because those are places where that's the user experience. Mm-hmm. That's the expected experience. That's what that platform was built for. Mm-hmm. So you may say, well, it makes more sense for me to start a blog. And I know people are like, blog, like this, <laughs> you know, it's not a thing and it's not a sexy thing, right? It's like, well, I want to be on Instagram. Well, okay, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Your content on Instagram lives for about 24 hours. No one's going to scroll down your feed. And go find a post, an Instagram post from three years ago, and like it so much that they go to your website. And if they do, it's going to be minuscule at best. Maybe one time every six months that'll happen. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky. And that blog you wrote, you sunk out, you sunk an hour into. You really put forth your best resources, and you included a nice call to action with some links and how to, you know, take the next steps. Five years later, it might be performing better mm-hmm. than it did in the first six months of that post, right? So if that's your challenge, if that's the season of your business, that I need more I need more traffic to my website. I'm getting 100 people on my website a month. Well, you can't make money 
with a hundred people coming to your website a month, even if you converted 50% of them, it's probably not enough money for a lot of businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So if traffic is your concern, if discoverability is your concern, podcasting doesn't make any sense for you. Now, here's the deal. If your business has already gotten to a certain point, and let's say you're generating $100,000 a year, let's say your retention's pretty low, right? Let's say, yeah, you know, we, we need to do things to really let people know about more what we do and how we do it and educate people. We have the luxury now of doing some other things and experimenting with some other tools. Awesome. Start a podcast because every week you can send something to those customers that continues to nurture them and it turns fans into super fans because it's an hour of your thoughts, your story, why you do what you do, why the company does what it does. It educates them further. It gets people to really buy into what you're doing. They become part of that community. So at that point, it then makes sense for you, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not usually, I'm, I'm a rare case. My show happened to go trending in the first two weeks. If that weren't the case, this wouldn't exist in its current iteration, right? I was very, very lucky. I don't think in 2021, this was 2015. I don't think in 2021, you can count on that happening, right? And, and more importantly, I think I, I, I kind of caught lightning in a bottle. Like if I'm really being honest, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't expect that to be the, the usual course of action you usually think happens. So it's easy to do a podcast. You just grab a microphone and you just start talking. You don't have to be on camera and do all the things and have the lighting and the background and all. You don't have to do all those things. However, just make sure that you're aligning your roadmap mm -hmm. and you're focused on this is what my business needs right now. And these are the platforms that are most conducive to that. I think we try to do too many of them. It's like, well, I'm on Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram and podcasts and YouTube. And it's like, oh my. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> why? Do you know why you're doing it? Because yeah. Gary Vee says this post content. Okay, so I'm posting a bunch of content. But is there a reason for that content? Are you are you is there a point behind that? Does it take them on a journey somewhere? Mm -hmm. Do you have buckets of content and reasons that things go in those buckets for content? Right. So there's no strategy behind it. It's just I'm doing things to do things. I love, so that I love podcasting and it works for yeah. what I do, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't necessarily lead to directly growing my email list, which is where the money is. So I have to use other things to offset that, like my blog. We blog twice a week, right? Mm -hmm. Like my YouTube channel that we just started a year ago, which I get, get this, they'll validate this. Again, <laughs> data, 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 data. Always. <laughs> I get more traffic. I'm doing my podcast for five years. I get more traffic already in my first like 80 videos on YouTube. And I'm now to like 165. So it's not even close anymore. But I was driving more traffic in the first six months to a year on YouTube than what I was getting. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close, sizably wow. more traffic yeah. from the YouTube than what I was getting from the podcast. And more importantly, the podcast wasn't even in like the top three to four, right? And more importantly, Instagram was like at the bottom. Now, mm -hmm. if I had looked at the time spent, my time allocation, I promise you it did not reflect mm -hmm. that. It was the opposite. It was inverted. I'm spending the most time on Instagram and I'm getting, I'm getting the least amount of, of traffic, which is the most, this is the lifeblood of your business, right? It's not the only determining factor. You, you want engagement, you want people to know you exist and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you're starting out, you've got to really, it's, it's, it's Pareto principle. You've got to focus on 20% of what you do is going to manifest 80% of your results. Dude. So you want to make sure that that 20% of the stuff that you do that really, really matters, you're just absolutely nailing it. So again, that was a long way to answer your question. I love podcasting. I think it's fantastic. It's an amazing connection tool. It's the, it is a power I mean, it is the, the single, it is like superhuman networking. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, the people you can connect with, it is fantastic. Just make sure that if you're going to start that, you do it the right way. You do your research, you know the pros and cons, and you're doing it for a specific reason 
not just because so-and-so has a podcast. You know, that was so interesting, Chris. And I heard Lewis House on, I think mm. he was on Clubhouse. And he did say like when he started his YouTube, it's interesting how many downloads he has got like compared to podcasts. So I was like, oh, yeah. interesting. But as you said, you want, don't want to do everything. Like there's a time for everything and just right. pick one thing. So I love that, Chris. So Chris, uh, I would love to ask you, like, I think you gave a lot of different advices, but mm. What is your favorite business advice you have ever got, which you oh want to gosh. leave the audience with today? <laughs> the singular one, huh? Hmm. That's so tough to discern and to figure out what the single one piece of advice that I've ever gotten would so, be. What would be the advice I, when you are stuck and you want I would to say this. I would say this. Uh, my business coach uh, tells me something often. And it applies to everything, not just business, but also your personal life. You'll tell me to not give whatever that challenge is power over me. Mm. So I was in um, that first business. We didn't get into the nuance of that, how it was shut down. But when I got sick, things imploded quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and there were lawsuits involved because we were fundraising at the time. And we had taken a bridge loan and we couldn't pay it back because things were trending south quickly. Um, so I had a couple lawsuits. And I remember I was just agonizing because a normal person, you don't want to be sued. That's horrible. Right? Like I genuinely do care. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am a good, and I do try to operate with integrity, right? To the best of my ability. I don't do things that are intentionally negligent or malicious. This is not who I am. So things happen sometimes they are out of your control um, or people think things about you. You're, you're going to, customers are going to get mad at you. Uh, clients are going to think you're the worst person in the world. Your offers a scam. You know, it's going to happen. And we can ruminate on those things a lot. We can let it affect us. We can let it dictate us. We can let it change. We could have 98% of your customers love you and they're satisfied. And that one customer, that 2% of people that are upset, we just, it, it makes us question our whole business. It, it just, because we're, we're, we're designed that way, right? That's who we are as people. And so I remember he would tell me a lot through that experience, through that, that challenge of my, not only my health challenge, at the same time, I'm losing my, my business, my first business, which I always say your first business is like your first girlfriend or your first boyfriend, your first real love. Yeah. It's so hard <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's the first time, right? It's like, so it's just so now I'm like businesses are commodities. You, they can be bought, trade and sold. Like it, it's no big deal, right? Not that I wouldn't don't be have hurt, emotion, not, that much emotion attached, right? Right. And it's kind of irrational. It's very mm -hmm. irrational. So anyways, uh, he would tell me constantly throughout that process, don't give it power over you, mm. right? Um, and I think that's helped me so much because we can tell ourselves all these negative stories. And so whatever it is that somebody's going through, whatever challenge they have, if it's a financial challenge and they're broke, right? And they're just trying to, you know, they're doing laundry in their bathtub and they just really resonated with what I just said earlier. Um, don't give it power over you. Because here's the deal. When you do that, when you give it power over you, you stay in that season longer than you have to. Mm -hmm. The sooner that you can take it in and process it, and start to develop a strategy to get out of it. Now, I'm not saying don't feel it. Give yourself permission to feel it. I think some of us bury those emotions and we just refuse to let it have its day. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to feel like shit every once in a while. Like, it's, it's okay. It's normal to feel yeah. that way. <laughs> so I give myself time to really just be in the dumps about things, right? Mm -hmm. I gave myself months to be in the dumps about losing that first business. Months. Mm -hmm. I was suicidal. I was in a bad way. I had built my whole identity around that company. Mm -hmm. I, was the, I was Chris, insert, the successful entrepreneur. That's who I was. I had lost my sight of everything else about me, right? So losing that was a, was a existential crisis 
to put it mildly. So I allowed myself to feel like shit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I dwelled in it too long, longer than I needed to. And I think you use that energy, use that feeling, use that, those deep emotions and whatever it is, it's, it's, and develop a strategy to get yourself out of it. Or if it's a customer that's upset, then you figure out a way to mitigate the opportunity for those employees or those not employees, I said employee, customers, what I meant. Customer, the 2% of customers that are upset with you. Okay, how do we mitigate those experiences from happening? Is there something that we can do? Or are they just a crappy, unhappy person? And you're gonna have to deal with that, right? But sometimes and oftentimes we can build systems, right? That prevent those things from having more opportunity than what they currently have. So a lot of people stay stuck in those situations where they're just unhappy or they have these things that are pervasive in their in their businesses and in their lives, and they just keep taking it and they just think that they need to have thick skin. No, no, no. Let's use that energy and channel into something positive to move towards something in a direction. And I remember we raised our prices because we were getting so many complaints. Mm-hmm. Everybody that was paying the cheap amount were the ones that complained. Every single one. When we raised the price of our offering and said we only want to work with these type people, they magically disappeared. Yes. All those people. Oh compl- my goodness! Guess so what? important. Chris. We literally started referring those lower paying jobs to other competitors. We're like, hey, you can have them because we know that people that pay this amount because we've looked at our data are causing ninety five percent of the complaints that the company has. Forget it. Forget it. We, this is who we want to work with. So again. It's getting clear, using that as energy, taking that into specific actions, using the data to glean what's going on, and then making something definitive, and then having those guardrails and those boundaries that I talked about. I am not willing to accept this. I am not willing to this to be my experience. I'm not willing to put myself through that. How do I prevent myself from just being a punching bag and allowing this to happen to me, to take ownership of what's going on in my life and in my business? So I would say that. Do not let anybody or anything have power over you. I love that, Chris. And uh, it brought back our memories of e-commerce where we will have complaints and like, and as you said, that there's only section of people who have those. But when you identify who are the ones who will be happy to pay you any amount, right? Because they just love you. They're like your biggest fan. So Mm. I love that, Chris. So today we only had this much time, Chris. Is there anything I might have missed that you want to cover? Yeah, I want to say the biggest thing is this, guys. Um, so I don't think many people understand. We talked about starting a podcast. I don't think people know and realize the amount of work and effort that goes into what Priyanka is doing. Uh, there's work on the front end. She's got to go do all this research on me and understand who I'm about so that she can bring out the best in me to give to you. And then on the back end, it's even more work. She's got to do editing. <laughs> and she, whether she's doing it herself or she's paying somebody else, there's so much work that has to be done. It's the publication, the ed- everything, the just, you know, dispersing it on social media and aggregating that content and repurposing and everything. So there's a lot of work. So the one thing that I would ask you to do, if you've enjoyed this episode and you've listened all the way to the end, is to please give her a subscribe and leave her a review. It's like giving a tip to somebody after you've dined somewhere. So do not stiff Priyanka. She's <laughs> done a lot of work for this. I ask you, if you do nothing else, please give her a subscribe and, and leave her a review. It would very much benefit her and her process to deliver amazing value to you. I love that, Chris. No one has done that. That's very mm-hmm. special of you. So thank you so much, Chris. And I will do the same favor. Go and check out Chris' podcast. Yeah. So is the new name same? It's Startup You. Yeah, we just changed it. Entrepreneur Hour is no more. It's now okay. Startup You Startup U podcast and Startup You TV. And then okay. you can go to okay. actually check out the Startup You offerings. We have both free and paid resources for people 
at getstartupu.com. That's get I love that. And I will put that in the show notes so that Beautiful. we have easy way for people to like, just click in there and Beautiful. find you. Is there any other place, Chris? Is that the only three places you want them to connect with you? Sure. Uh, obviously, social media is great. I'm at HeyCMH. Chris Michael Harris is pretty long. So it's just at HeyCMH on, on uh, every social media platform. The minute a new one pops up, we claim HeyCMH. So I'm HeyCMH everywhere. You cannot miss it. Awesome. So I will put that in the show notes too. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for having, like coming on my show and like sure. talking about all these nuggets from your own life and being so vulnerable because this show is all about showing up with positive intention and authenticity. And I love your leadership, the way you have grown up into this, the leader you are today, right? Because we have to go through different phases and mm. thank you for sharing all that, all that wisdom of yours. So thank you for being on my show. Of course, I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Chris. So today we only had this much time with Chris. If you want to learn more from Chris, please do connect with him on social media and check out his podcast and his new company. And talk to you all soon and take care and show up with positive intention and take care. I honor you for your energy and time to show up till the end and listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please do take a minute to rate and review my show and share it with others who needs it the most. This would mean world to me. Remember your positive intentions, your presence and your positive energy is contagious to attract the positive result. Talk to you soon. Stay tuned until the next episode.